0: It's time Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas! We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field.
1: And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get, get it, it on. on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton.
0: Welcome back. It is time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Thanks for joining us, everybody. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, please make sure you do that. We would appreciate it greatly uh, as uh, we get just, I mean, everything you do to support us means the world to us. So we appreciate that. And I say us because it's not just me. Obviously, it's me and my broadcast partner, Mr. Momo, And he's a national NFL writer, uh, covering the entire league for Bleacher Report. He also writes Raiders content up on sportsnot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. And uh, Mo, I know you're a little bit under the weather, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for braving the airwaves for your loyal listeners.
1: Anything for the Raider fans out there, you know. A uh, little, not a little, a lot under the weather. Oh, no. Uh, but, but uh you know, players play hurt. They come in the <laughs> into the week with questionable tags. I came in with a questionable tag, and that's what we're going to do today. Remember, we're going to tough it out today.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get through as much as we can with Mo, because we don't want him to get uh, any sicker. But uh, we definitely want to talk some Raider football. Uh, again, make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you're also watching us on YouTube. Hit the subscription and also hit the notifications bell so you know when we go live. Uh, all right, Mo. Some news, and I wanted to touch on this one because you know you were the first one, no, no doubt about it, first one really in the entire country to talk about Mac Jones as a possible target for the Raiders. Uh, now that they're moving on and they need a quarterback, um, we talked about it weeks ago. A lot of fans didn't like it. Some fans started to warm to it, but then uh, on Tuesday and Monday we find out. Guess what? Mac Jones might not be in play due to the return of his not only college coach, but of course the Patriots offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien. So so now Mac Jones, it appears that Bill Belichick and the Patriots kind of realized that, yeah, Matt Patricia is not the best guy to call the offense with a young quarterback, especially since the quarterback struggled Mac Jones compared to his his Pro Bowl year last year as a rookie. Uh, what do you make of this, and does this really signal you think that the Patriots are all in on Mac Jones?
1: Yeah, I think it's this pretty much seals it. Mac Jones isn't going anywhere. Uh, Bill O'Brien took the job at Alabama. Mac Jones is on his way out, so they briefly mm-hmm. crossed paths. He didn't really go through a full season with Bill O'Brien, but I believe it was said that I think Mark Daniel said this. One of the Patriot beat writers said that Bill o, Mac Jones helped Bill O'Brien learn the system at Alabama, and Bill O'Brien helped Mac Jones get ready for the draft. So that was the trade off <laughs> between them and now they get to work together. So I think this was the Patriots saying, we're sorry we screwed up having a defensive coordinator call the plays for you, and (laughs) that was our bat. Because I wrote in the column today that I put out, not today but on Tuesday, that Mac Jones was unhappy, and he was letting people outside of the building know Mm -hmm. he was unhappy with the way things were being run. Robert Kraft wasn't happy with the way the offensive system was being run. And I think, again, this was just a correction to say, we screwed up. We're gonna to try to make things right. And I and I've and I've said this over and over again. Mac Jones was not the problem with the Patriots. I know their offense wasn't electric. I know they don't have the the greatest, most dynamic weapons. But if you watch Patriots games, and I and I do because of the where I live in the in the country, I get a mm-hmm. lot of Patriot games. Sure. You'll notice that yes, Mac Jones makes some mistakes, and he wasn't perfect. But a lot of it was the plays being called, and it 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 shows in in the Patriots' offensive production. So I'm willing to see what happens with Mac Jones. Obviously, he won't be traded to the Raiders, but I want to see his progression where he is because if it doesn't work out, do the Patriots then entertain trading him again next offseason if they're not happy with him?
0: Right. But being a second year pl- I mean that was that was the obstacle, right? For 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 Mo's dream of getting him in Las Vegas. Uh and I kid about that, of course. But the possibility <laughs> yeah. as a name that, that could that could fit, obviously, because of Josh McDaniel's background. But you look at that situation and a second year quarterback, right? It's not like and it's not like he was um uh Zach Wilson. It was not that kind of implosion it was clearly a lot of other things. And so you look at a second-year quarterback, you look at Justin Fields in Chicago, who doesn't have a good cast around him, made progress, that team still sucked, and they didn't utilize him probably as well as they should have, but you saw progress there too. And I think that's something important to point out because if the Raiders, Mo, go the young quarterback route in any way, whether they go get a veteran and then get a rookie in the draft and have both on the roster at the same time, you have to give these guys time. I think the expectation, yes, there are examples of guys who come out in year one and hit the ground running and they're great and no problem whatsoever. But the majority of quarterbacks, it takes a little bit of time. The game in the NFL is so much faster. It doesn't matter if you played in the SEC and you played in big games. We saw Trevor Lawrence, right, go up and down, up and down um, as well. And we saw Joe Burrow, of course, get hurt in his first year, but now he's come out and lit the world on fire. Um isn't that? I mean, do do you think maybe the NFL's entering a phase now where despite all the money that a quarterback, if if they need a little bit of seasoning, the teams are now going to give them a little more time?
1: I think it just depends on the situation. If you have a bridge gap quarterback in place, if you have a veteran in place, you you don't you have the luxury of letting your rookie sit for a while. And I think that's that's where the Raiders could be in 2023. We don't mm-hmm. know what their quarterback plan is. Obviously, if you go with Brady then that's not, that's not going to happen. I mean, you could do that. You could have a quarterback sit for one year behind Brady because he's only going to give you what one or two years.
0: Right. But
1: let's say if you strike out on Brady and you have Brissett or Jimmy Garoppolo, and I've said this over and over again, if the Raiders sign Jimmy Garoppolo, your quarterback number two better be ready to play. Now, Stidham, <laughs> Stidham is out there too. You can throw Stidham into the fire, back into the fire if you don't want to play your rookie. But to me... If your rookie quarterback is talented enough, I wouldn't mind tossing him out there early because once that once you draft that rookie, mm-hmm. and I believe Murph on Raider Fan Radio says this a lot, the, the most valuable thing is a rookie contract, and I agree with him on that. I agree with yep. him on that plan that you want to maximize the amount of spending you can do while your quarterback is on a modest deal because that's where you can – overspend on a defensive player. You can overspend on your offensive line. And it not really hurt you because your quarterback isn't making much. I believe Mac Jones isn't going to make more than $5 million for the last two years of his contract. And that's why I was on board with bringing him to Las Vegas. But I'll say this. If the Raiders go with a Tom Brady and a rookie, Tom Brady's going to give you one year. You put the rookie out there in 2024 and you see where it goes. Also, I know this wasn't on the rundown. So I'm going to throw an audible here. I think the Raiders... Our, our legitimate, realistic landing spot for Aaron Rodgers, who's rumored to be possibly on the move. Adam Schefter said that if the Packers trade him, they're going to want to trade him to an AFC team. I know Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a no-trade clause, but he can threaten to retire if he doesn't like the team that the Packers are right. going to trade him to. So if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm looking at the potential AFC team landing spots. And I'm looking at the Jets. The Jets have young wide receivers like the Packers had. Mm-hmm. And we all know Aaron Rodgers sometimes does to have patience with young wide receivers. The Titans, who do they have? Traylon Burks? Eh, yeah. That's not going to bring Aaron Rodgers to Tennessee.
0: No. Devontae Adams not bring him to it, Vegas.
1: Hey, so Miami Dolphins have the weapons, but they're supposedly yeah. sticking by Tua. Right. So I would say you got Devontae Adams, you got Darren Waller, you got Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, maybe you resign him. That team, that offense would be loaded. Just pick up a couple offensive linemen work on the defense. I think Rodgers would like that landing spot.
0: Yeah, and and the Rodgers stuff I actually was going to mention that to you because that really started to uh take hold on Tuesday, right? With conversations uh that that Rodgers does or that the Packers will not trade him to another NFC team. It has to be an AFC team. They clearly don't want to play him um in in the conference. So, if that's the case then yeah, <clears throat> the Jets, the Raiders, uh the Dolphins, the the Titans, but to your point, I think that 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 situation. But what is and and, but the Raiders then, too, would have the deal we've been talking about. They're 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 going to be flush with cash, Mm -hmm. particularly uh, with car off the books. But then you add an Aaron Rodgers. That's a big contract. Right. And so they can. But as you pointed out, if Aaron Rodgers thinks he's got four years left or whatever he thinks he's got left, they can certainly um, um, renegotiate that or or uh, just look at a way to restructure it. So that the Raiders can load up in the next year or two and back end that payment for him.
1: Now I've said this is a dangerous move simply because Raiders have so many holes to fill. If you go yeah. and get Aaron Rodgers, now you're Peter King of NBC Sports said that, right, that any team that wants Rodgers probably have to give up two first rounders. Yeah. So not only do you have to pay his big salary, but now you got to give up premium draft capital for the next two years to get him. It's dicey. But if you're Josh, if I'm Josh McDaniels and I and I feel like Josh McDaniels is on the hot seat going to 2023, he yeah, should be. I would entertain the idea. Now, what I love giving up the draft capital, knowing that you're not going to have a complete roster because you're giving up, again, first rounders to get Aaron Rodgers. And your defense is still probably might still suck. And you might be a nine and eighteen team like the team he just <laughs> left in Green Bay. Yeah, It's a possibility, but it's a risk you got to take if your job is on the line.
0: Yeah, and and that whole building the roster piece of that with the draft capital—if you have to give up two number one picks—it makes you wonder too. You know the situation with them still trying to work out a Derek Carr trade. I don't think any way they get a number one anyway. Um, but then you have Darren Waller. You have, but then if you trade Darren Waller, you're trading away a piece that would appeal to Aaron Rodgers coming to Las Vegas. So it's a very complex situation. That that to me. I know fans would be excited. At least most fans would be excited about it. But to me, it's the riskiest option for them looking at a veteran quarterback. The Brady option, it, you don't have to give up draft capital. Now, I'm not saying Tom Brady at this point in his career is as good as Aaron Rodgers. I don't know offhand. I mean, you go by the numbers, you could say yes. Other ways you look at it, maybe no. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Mo, before we go to the break here, the first break, Um, Just want to also point out the Raiders, uh, the PFWA, which is the Pro Football Writers of America, which I am a voting member, so I voted on this, um, named their all-NFL team. And uh, Josh Jacobs, of course, was one of the running backs that made the all-NFL team, as well as Daniel Carlson at kicker. Uh, I know some fans were upset that uh, that, uh, Max Crosby did not make it, but Nick Bosa from the 49ers and Miles Garrett from the Browns. Both uh, were selected as the All-NFL team. By the way, Keyshawn Nixon, remember him? Keyshawn Nixon as a kick returner was also named on the special teams. You look at the All-AFC team, Josh Jacobs again. Max Crosby did make that one. Uh, I voted for Max on that one as well, and Daniel Carlson uh, on that. And then uh, uh, late on Tuesday, Dylan Parham was named to the PFW All-Rookie team. Uh, they are up front on the offensive line. So there you go. It shows you the recognition of Dylan Parham across the league on what was a disappointing Las Vegas Raiders team. Still got some honors from the pro football writers, but not bad representation for a team that went 6-11. and 11.
1: If you ask some Raider fans, they will say, tell you that Dylan Parham sucked because he gave up too much <laughs> pressures and too many sacks. I mean, I, like oh. I said, you, you Rookie is going to go through growing pains. I think he's probably going to move to center, which is probably his going to be his position. You know, he's as he was when he got to Memphis. He, I believe, mm-hmm. he was a tight end. He was a little light. You got to, he's got to gain some weight. But yep. when you're going up against the guys like DeForest Buckner and Aaron Donald, you, you know, you're going to get pushed around. Those guys sure. are all plural. <laughs> and good. defensive player of the year guys. So, yeah. I didn't expect him to hold his own against those guys, but I do expect him to get better as time goes on as a center.
0: Yeah, as a center, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch him develop. Uh, by the way, unbelievably, there is not one Cincinnati Bengal on that team. I don't two straight runs to the AFC Championship game, and of course the Super Bowl last year. Not one person on that roster. It's pretty remarkable. So, uh, anyway, so when Raider fans complain about the guys not getting recognition just be a Bengal fan and you can feel it even more. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Mo and I are going to switch gears. We're going to talk. I brought up the Bengals on purpose because um, I look at the Bengals and I was talking to Mo about this that, hey, you know, and I've been telling fans on Twitter, the Raiders have a lot of roles to fill. They have to get that defense up to par, uh, and obviously they need a quarterback. But the turnaround can come quickly, and the Bengals are a good example of that. But you have to do a couple things which we will identify when we return. You're listening to Silver and Black today with Momot and Skalko Branson. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. Scott Branson, along with Mo Moten, we are here talking to you about how the Raiders, yes, inexplicably could get better fast. Yes, they have holes on defense, lots of them, but can they turn it around? And I think we can look to a team that you guys all know about the past two seasons and that is the Cincinnati Bengals. Mo, I want to touch on this because a lot of Raider fans and and accurately identify uh, a reason for the Raiders' struggles over the last five to six years, and actually 20 years, has been a lack of defense. Uh, and so I wanted to look at this. I wanted to compare the Bengals. If you look at the Bengals, going back, I'm going to go back to 2020. The Bengals uh, finished the 2020 year at 4 and 11, OK? Four and 11, they have a big draft, that 2020 draft. Uh, from an offensive perspective, they get Joe Burrow and T. Higgins, okay, two star starters for them now. But they also got Logan Wilson on the defensive side. Um, 2021, we all know what they did. They finished 10-7. Uh, uh, and seven. They also last year drafted Jamar Chase, the offensive tackle Jackson Carmen, who – was a substitute, but's come on here late and did well in the AFC divisional round. Joseph Asai, at defensive end, uh, as well as their kicker Evan McPherson. McSear- so they went from four and eleven to ten and seven in one season. Primarily Mo, because they made some good free agent draft uh, free agent signings to bolster that roster last year. Their offensive line still was terrible, but they they were building it. They were trying to get things right. They they put some more money into the defense first, which made. No sense because of the quarterback, but it worked for him. Um, and then they, of course, struck gold in the draft when you look at Burrow, T. Higgins, and Logan Wilson, all key starters for this team over the past two seasons. Over that same time, the Raiders were eight and eight in twenty twenty. They drafted Ruggs, Bowden, Arnett, Edwards, Muse, Simpson, and the Meek Roberts. The only one remaining on that team is a Meek Roberts, uh, which who was a fourth round draft pick. Okay. So you look at that, and and, and the, 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 the Bengals on defense in 2020 were ranked 22nd. A year later in 2021, they were ranked 17th. And this year, they're a top-five defense because of draft and because of free agents. Their offense went from 29th in 2022 to 7th last year and 8th this year. The Raiders, of course, had a top-10 offense in 2020, went to 18th, uh, last year in 2021 and then 12th this year still uh, with 23 points a game. Uh, but the Raiders defense from 30 uh, in 2022, 26 in 2021 and 26 again in 2022. Now, Mo, everybody thought the defense for the Raiders was worse this year than last year. In fact, it was better from the perspective of not the ranking, but points given up at 418 compared to 439 in 2021 and only 24.6 points per game versus 29.9 in 2020. So I bring this up and I want to get your comments about how fast things can change in the NFL, but it all hinges on the front office making the right moves and hitting Early and often with their draft capital.
1: You know what else the Bengals did? I'm going to say the p word. Burn? I'm going to say the p. I'm going to say the p word that uh, Raider yeah. fans are going to roll their eyes about. Uh oh. They were they were patient yes. because I I'm old enough to remember when a lot of people thought Zach Taylor and Lou Anarumo, who's their defensive coordinator, were going to be fired mm-hmm. going into the 2021 season. He Zach Taylor was on a hot seat. And I remember because I wrote an article. Article he was one of the five guys. I had on the hot seat because the Bengals had Joe Burrow, number one overall pick. They had Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. They had a lot of talent, right? So we're we're, we're waiting. Okay, you got the talent. Where are the results? Mm -hmm. And it took that third year. And that third year, that's when the Bengals took off 2021 when they went on that Super Bowl run. So it took – think about this. Zach Taylor, you know, he was on the, I believe, Deshaun Mouvet coaching tree took him took him 3 years to get that Bengals team right now. The Bengals had the help of a number one overall draft pick which the Raiders don't have. Yeah. But they gave Luna Onurumo and Zach Taylor time to develop that talent. And I think fan, again, fans don't want to hear this, but you're going to have to be you're going to have to be patient. You have no choice but to be patient. The other thing I want to point out though with the Bengals, the one thing that the Raiders can emulate and I mentioned it the Bengals had the number one overall pick in the draft. So that definitely helps when you can get the best quarterback <laughs> in a draft class. The Raiders don't have that luxury. But I I agree with you, Scott, on the defensive side of the ball, as far as patience are concerned, you, the Raiders can take that from the Bengals with Luna Onorumo and Patrick Graham, see what happens, because mm-hmm. Luna Onorumo wasn't an established defensive coordinator either, and I believe he also came from Miami. But I think the Raiders should follow a, a blueprint close to the Philadelphia Eagles. And I say that because Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick. And they drafted Jalen Hurts while they had Carson Wentz. Correct. So this wasn't a guy that they drafted and they said, this guy is going to be, you know, our guy, our long-term solution, our franchise player. Mm -hmm. What they did was they moved on from Carson Wentz and elevated Jalen Hurts by putting pieces around him and making sure they had a system that worked for Jalen Hurts. And I emphasize that because whoever the Raiders have as their quarterback. If it's not a Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, because those guys are already established and great. If they get a young guy, they have to invest and helping that young guy flourish because with Jalen hurts. There were, there was discussion. Nick Sariani was the play caller. He allowed Shane Steichen, who's now head coach candidate to call plays in the second half of last season. And they input the RPO to help Jalen hurts in his development. So while you saw Jalen hurts, wasn't the most accurate quarterback last year that improved, they let him use his legs, his athleticism. So you take the player and you tailor your system to the player. Not the other way around. I think the Raiders coaches over the past few years have made that mistake where they say, This is our system, and we gonna have we the players fit, fit into our system instead right. of taking the player and saying, We're gonna put the system around the player and accentuate his strengths.
0: Yeah, and and, and it's interesting too, because you mentioned Nick Sirani, who do you remember how they wanted to run him out of town after <laughs> that? For, they wanted him out of town. They they there it was calls to have him fired. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And I understand Raider Nation's impatience because it's been two decades. I get that piece of it. But when you have a new coach, a new GM, you've only had one season. And so that's where I think, look, we've talked about it a million times on this show, which is Josh McDaniels struggled. He's got he's on the hot seat. He should be at the same time, to your point about patience, you look at that. But I also go back to how important the draft is. And so when you look at what Dave Ziegler does this year, it's it's vital for this team to take a giant step forward. You won't know these draft picks. Okay, all the analysts, including us, are going to tell you, hey, we think it was good. Here's who we thought was a good pick. Here's who we're not sure about. At the end of the day, though, this is where they have to build their foundation because you look at the Bengals, Burrow, Higgins, Wilson, Jamar Chase, McPherson, Asai, and... Uh, all within two drafts, right, and that changed the fortunes of that team, uh, as well as some key free agent signings on the offensive line and a couple on defense as well. So, so the Raiders need to do that. The Raiders have had what nine draft picks that just have not panned out in the last in the last three drafts. So that is disastrous, and that's where the, that's why they are where they are. And I think that that's where I think Raider fans should have some hope. And to your point about patience, I know it's the hardest thing in the world. To have patience, but I can see this team, to your point, the quarterback position is vital. You have to figure that out. And yes, you can't find a Joe Burrow everywhere, but at the same time, you can with the offensive tools you already have. Joe Burrow came onto an offense that didn't have a wide receiver, really didn't have a tight end. Um, Joe Mixon was there, of course, but, but they, they had a lot of pieces missing on offense. The Raiders do not, the Raiders have the offensive pieces. They have to build up that defense. But again, I don't think it happens in one year. Can the Raiders go? I mean, the Bengals went from 26 in defense to 17 in one year. Can the, can the Raiders go from 26 to 18 or 19? They can. And I think with the offense, depending who you have quarterback, that means this team should be, it could be, I should say, could be, in the running to make the playoffs very simply just because you improve well enough coaching has to improve as well but uh but it's not impossible this is not major league baseball where it takes you five six years to build a team
1: raider fans who follow the nfl closely will say well mo the eagles made the playoffs in Nick here first year and yeah. i get that and that goes to my point what the eagles did to get there if you remember mm-hmm. how the eagles started off i believe they started off two and five like the raiders did in this past season and what happened is in the middle of the season, I remember the game when it happened, the Eagles were playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they started to give the ball to Miles Sanders, started to run the ball a lot more, right? They found an identity, and that's how they were able to get to 9-8 and get to the playoffs in their first year. Where the Raiders went wrong was, the Raiders never established an identity. We talked about this during the season, right? You look at the Raiders 6-11 and season, what was their offensive identity? They had one maybe for a little bit was feed Josh Jacobs the football, but yep. there were certain times where it was still kind of inconsistent. There were times where you felt like Devonta Adams should have got the ball, didn't get it. There was inconsistency there. So coming into the 2023 season, regardless of what the Raiders record is, right? We hope it's a good record. We hope they make the playoffs and win a bunch of games. But the first thing that Josh McDaniels has to do, whoever is the quarterback, whoever is in the backfield, whoever your wide receivers are, they have to establish an identity are you going to be a run heavy team are you going to be a team that goes through the air a lot and threatens the the opposing team's defensive backs or a team that exploits the middle of the field with your with your star tight end what are you what what type of offense are you running to the point where you could say this is our bread and butter because if you look at the teams i know we're going to get into this in the last segment if you look at the last four teams they all have an identity they Did all you? the eagles the 49ers The Chiefs, the Bengals, they all have an identity. You can look at all their games and you can say, okay, that's their bread and butter. That's their bread and butter. The teams that are home, the teams that didn't make the playoffs, you don't know what their offensive game plan was. They didn't have an identity.
0: Yeah, and it, it amazes me too, and I know it's statistics and sometimes they can be misleading, but you look at the Raiders at 26 overall in defense for the second straight year at 26. They gave up a point, almost a point and a quarter less this year than they did last year, believe it or not. Um, including 21 less points overall, Uh, 24.6 points. The Bengals are the top five defense in the NFL, gave up 20.1. So you're talking literally one stop a game difference on defense. Now, that's what a couple players can do for you, really, because you think about four-point difference between the Bengals and the Raiders. You're talking about one score a game almost, okay? Uh, or maybe two in this case, uh, and and then on offense the same thing. The Raiders, twenty three point two a game. The Bengals, as good as they are on offense, twenty six. So again, one score per game. It just goes to show you that in the NFL, uh, that that the difference between a six and eleven team and an eleven and six team can literally be two or three players, key players on each side of the ball that make the biggest difference. And the good news for Raiders fans out there is that the offense is in a good spot if they can shore up the quarterback position and do what they're going to do there, and then on defense spend the time and the money to get bodies and good bodies there, including some young ones. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. All right, we're going to... Great discussion. We're going to take uh, our last break here. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about, to close the show, the NFL playoffs. Yes, the championship games coming up this week. Uh, what we see in those games who we like and uh, what we can learn from that that informs the Raiders. Cause obviously on the AFC side, we talked a lot about the Bengals this segment. We haven't talked much about the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes injury, but we will do that here in the final segment. You're with Mo and Scott here on silver and black today in odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back home stretch here on silver and black today. You are with Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer for bleacher report. Also the Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mo Moton M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can also follow me on sportsnot.com uh, when I write about the Raiders up there and also on Twitter at LVGully. Do us a big favor. Make sure if you already don't subscribe to the podcast that you do that wherever you get your audio. You can find us. Put on the auto download. That way, every time we push a new show, you're able to get it. Uh, as well as subscribing to the channel on YouTube. All right, Mo, let's jump into this one. Uh, I know you were busy last weekend uh, covering these games, uh, but the 49ers are heading into, after dispelling the rumor, or I should say the mirage that was the Cowboys, um, and uh, they're going to go to Philly now to a Philly team that's playing really well. It's going to be a cold-weather game. 49ers have to go east. Uh, You look at this one, everybody is on the the Eagles here. I think the media thinks that the Eagles are going to have a pretty good time. They want to punch the ticket to the Super Bowl already. Uh, Brock Purdy has played well. Again, he shows poise. Uh, doesn't put up massive numbers or anything but it doesn't matter they still won the game against Dallas he had he did what he had to do and key was he didn't make turnovers or cause key mistakes for his team do the 49ers have a good shot of going in there with their stout defense and that offense with Brock Purdy can they upset the Eagles in Philadelphia
1: I think so I guess I'm on the other side of the media because I I, <laughs> I, now I saw what you saw a lot of a lot of people are picking the Eagles to win and I get it because they Throttle the Giants, and they looked impressive in that game. But you gotta understand that to me, the Giants were the Cinderella team of that playoff field. Like Giants yes. didn't belong. <laughs> the Giants, yeah. the Giants got in off of great coaching. They that roster just didn't have a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball, other than Saquon Barkley, who is Daniel Jones throwing the football to or handing off to. You know, I know Isaiah Hodges came on, but to me, the the Giants aren't a good barometer to say the Eagles are just juggernaut. I think the Eagles benefited from having some rest because Jalen Hurts did have a shoulder injury, didn't play well in his last two regular season games, but I actually think the 49ers win simply because, and I heard this from Kyle Van Noy in another show, he said, Kyle Shanahan is going to find 58 different ways to run the football. And the (laughs) one weakness that the Eagles have is you can run the football on them. That's the one weakness that you look at the Eagles, where can we attack? You can run the football on the Eagles. And And that's Kyle Shanahan's bread and butter. And the last segment I just said, every one of these teams still in the conference championship round has identity and the 49ers know how to run the football. This is why Brock Purdy doesn't have a ton of pressure. They just ask Brock Purdy, be accurate, don't turn the football over. Right. And leave yourself a little more time when you're gonna throw the ball out of balance before halftime. That's a whole different story. But I'll just say that <laughs> they don't ask Brock Purdy to be outside of himself and you don't have to go out there and be Tom Brady. Yeah. Just complete just complete passes, make the timely throws. We'll take care of it in the run game. And I think that's where the Eagles and that's where the 49ers match up. Well, against the Eagles on the ground, I think the 49ers come away with the W.
0: Well, and I think you have to also give a lot of credit to GM John Lynch in San Francisco because yeah. at the midpoint, at the trade deadline, I think he was looking listen, I'm going to give him a lot of credit. I think he was looking at the landscape. He saw, I mean, the Eagles were hot all year. So you start looking, okay, who are we going to have to beat to get to the Super Bowl? And, and watched and saw through half a season, almost, what their weakness was. And it was, you're right, it was the run game all season long. So he goes out and gets the best court, uh, running back he can possibly get, which is Christian McCaffrey. And Christian McCaffrey, yeah, he's not putting up some of these Superman numbers like he did in Carolina because he doesn't have to, right? Not only that, he can run the ball, and he will run the ball a ton against Philadelphia, on Sunday, but he also can catch the ball too. So, so he is, I think the best move a team has made in the NFL this year at, if I say as a trade to set themselves up for potential opponents in the playoffs. That's why I too think the 49ers can go, I think it's going to be a very good game, but I think that the 49ers can go in and beat beat them the cold weather stuff. I know it always comes up when a West coast team goes out, they do play in San Francisco it's not LA where it's 80 degrees, it's at least in the 50s in San Francisco like it was against the Cowboys. So I I just I I think and in in the cold weather grinding the ball on the ground is fine, right? So so to me, I actually love the 49ers in that game and I think that they're going to and we'll get more into this uh, on the next show, but I do think that they're going to have a great opportunity to go in there. Um we look at the AFC what AFC side uh, the the other side of this coin was Okay, we understand people cheering for and wishing the Bills well because of the DeMar DeMar Hamlin incident, right? That was human. Everybody wanted uh, them to do well, wanted them to recover and feel good about their teammate, and and thank goodness. um, Conspiracy theorists aside who who say he doesn't exist or he's dead, just crazy people out there. It's just craziness. Um, They're also the ones talking about Flat Earth. Um, But anyway, they were were the bell of the ball. Now, I get it. They're upstate New York. I know it's not New York City, but uh, they really uh, got all the coverage. Josh Allen's been getting a lot of love, uh, and a lot of people, as you know, since I'm in Cincinnati, a lot of people felt like Joe Burrow wasn't getting much credit, and I agree with them. Um, I, I, listen, I barely follow the Bengals because I'm in town. Obviously, I have a lot of friends here who, who are big fans, uh, but I'm too busy covering the Raiders. But I will tell you that Joe Burrow, if you look at what he's done this year, okay, and how they've gotten through the playoffs, what he's done to Patrick Mahomes, who he's going to play again on Sunday. The question is, is, this the, is, are they a team of destiny again? I mean, they are playing well. They went out there, Mo. We talk about excuses and the fact that there are none in the NFL. They go out there with three of their offensive linemen out. There. They're on to backups. And they destroyed the Bills in the trenches on both sides of the ball.
1: Someone on this show put out in a column or did a live show. And you know what that someone said? Someone said that the Bengals would meet the 49ers in the Super Bowl.
0: Yes. I recall that same
1: person, that same person had the Eagles and the chiefs also make it to the conference championship round. I don't know who that was, but he nailed the final. I'm glad you,
0: I'm I'm, I'm glad you remembered. It was me. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was you. Of course. It's a a rematch of the 1982 Super Bowl.
1: And in all seriousness, I, what did I text you and our good friend, Kelly Kreiner? The night before the game, oh yeah, I said that five and a half line is disrespectful to the Bengals. Yes, for, for a team that is trying to get back to the AFC Championship game, for a team that has now an ascending quarterback who I believe is one of the top quarterbacks in the league right right now, for a, a star wide receiver, and I get it, the defense doesn't have a lot of household names, right? But as you read, as you read in the in the, in the earlier segment, Luana Rumo has turned around that defense. Top five. So they can get stops. So they can get stops and they can score points. Sounds like there's no way you're gonna give me the Bengals at five and a half points. That means they're gonna, you know, they're not gonna lose by a touchdown or more. It wasn't gonna happen. People say, Well, the offensive line. Did you not see Joe (laughs) Burrow take that team with a with a trashy offensive line to the Super Bowl last year? I believe he was sacked 70 times between the regular season and the playoffs. Seventy times and still got the Bengals to the Super Bowl. So I, I had no worries about the offensive line because the Bengals know how to get the ball out quick to their playmakers, and I thought that would give the, the Bills a hard time. And I trust, and I said this before too, I trust Joe Burrow in critical situations. I don't trust Josh Allen as much. As to, as time gets away from him, uh, gets away from the Josh Allen, Brian, Dable relationship, he get to me, he's gotten sloppier. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow, on the other hand, has gotten better.
0: Better. So now you
1: yeah. you 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 look at this matchup, not to say that Patrick Mahomes is sloppy, but his injury, he has a high ankle sprain. Usually that's a three to four week injury for the most part. The 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 average high ankle sprain, three to four weeks. Mm-hmm. So now you take away Patrick Mahomes' mobility. He has to stay in the pocket, can't hurt you with his legs as much. You gotta give the to me, you gotta give the edge to the Cincinnati Bengals. The healthy they have a healthier quarterback and they have a quarterback who can still move. Chiefs don't have that now.
0: And in fact, after the after after the Chiefs game, the, the opening line was the Chiefs by a point and a half. Now it's the Bengals by a point and a half on the road in Arrowhead. Like, you know the injuries playing into that, right? Of course. It has to be. And I have no doubt Patrick Mahomes will play Mo. Yeah. But how effective will he be is the key. And I had some one of the national pundits, and I'll I'll keep names to myself, who who absolutely I think probably has posters of Patrick Mahomes all over his bedroom. Um was saying, well, he doesn't really need that. He doesn't plant like other quarterbacks do. <laughs> no, you listen, when you have a high ankle sprain, uh, even even Tony Romo on the broadcast uh, on Sunday said, listen, um, I had it and I never played. I, I, I came back in the game the two times I had it because they, you know, they tape you up and really they shoot you up too. Um, but then after the game, he said, yeah, I didn't play again. I didn't play for 2 weeks one time and 3 weeks the na- the next time. So so it's going to be interesting there and and the Bengals don't want an easy road, but you're right about Burrow what he was able to do with that team and you have Jackson Carmen is a good example. Now, he had a year less than Alex Leatherwood. Actually, no, they were the same year. So it's uh, a good example. He comes in 2 weeks ago to sub for an injury for the Bengals and he was considered a disappointment and the last 2 weeks the kid has been the top rated offensive lineman in the NFL in the playoffs. So it goes to show you the patience. Everybody wanted to give up on Alex Leatherwood. Even I did at times. But sometimes, guys, if the talent is truly there, it just takes a little bit of time. And I think you're seeing that with the Bengals. The Bengals have depth that no one thought they had.
1: The other thing about Jackson Carmen is, I think people forget, he actually played left tackle yes. at Clemson. Yeah. So the, when the Bengals got him, they tried to convert him to guard. And this right. is my... I don't want to get on my soapbox because I know we're running out of time, but this is my thing with the Raiders, what they do so much. Coach staff have done this. I get that offensive linemen now are expected to play multiple positions, but if you are playing an offensive lineman at a position that he didn't play in college, there's going to be a learning curve. You cannot be impatient with that type of transition because not every offensive lineman you can just plug in different spots. Some guys are just good at one position. Now that limits their their value to a team, but sometimes that's the case with the guy. So yep. I'm looking ahead here, but the Raiders get a right tackle. I hope it's a guy that has some some right tackle experience, and this is why I've been on Darnell Wright of Tennessee. I think the Raiders should get him in the second round, but I think he could probably shoot up to the first round. But again, I don't want to get off on a tangent. But back to Jackson Carmen, <laughs> they moved him back to right tackle, and lo and behold, he played well. Exactly, not a coincidence.
0: No, it's not a coincidence. And it goes to, again, I know fans, especially Raiders fans, don't want to be patient because they've been waiting so long. But now with a new front office who has the ability to draft sign free agents, you have to give them the opportunity. And if you look at the class from last year, what was their their first pick in the draft because they didn't have first second? Who was their first pick in the draft this year? It was Dylan Parham. And he was on the all-rookie team for PFWA so far, right? Now, we'll see what other honors he's able to get if he gets any. But he was he was on the all-rookie team. So people who say that Ziegler has not done well. Now, some of the free agents, I get the Chandler Jones thing and all that stuff. I think they were just trying to plug holes, which you got to do that sometimes. You take a risk on somebody, and you hope that they work out. And sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. But Parham, Zamir White, disappointed he didn't get more carries. But Josh Jacobs had such a good year. What were you going to do? There was just not as many carries, especially early in the year when they did not have the identity with the run and decided not to run the ball. So we'll see. And then Munford, too. He's had he's had spots where he's played well. There's a guy you develop. He is a depth guy, right? So so the Raiders, if you look at this, this is where I think people miss because they're so disappointed in the six and eleven year that they miss that there, there's a couple pieces there. They're not sexy. Okay. They're not sexy. But they are pieces that are part of a core as you're building an offensive line that you need to do. And Dylan Parham is going to be your starting center. But nonetheless, um, that's that's the patience that the Bengals shown. and that's why they've done such a good job. That's why they're in their second straight after starting 0-2. First team to ever go 0-2 and get to the AFC Championship game. So that's going to be an interesting piece, but I do think – that you look around the league too, you can see other examples of teams turning things around quickly and evaluating talent like that. So it'll be uh it'll be fascinating. I mean, they're both going to be really good games. Mom, I'm excited about it, but you're five and a half your text. We all made money on that one. I also made money on the under, I knew the weather. That's why I got worried. Evan, Evan texted us that morning. Look, it's beautiful outside. It's 35 degrees and it's sunny.
1: <laughs> and I was like,
0: Oh no. <laughs> I was worried about the over and then it started to snow right around uh, game time. So that helped out significantly. Did you see by the way that there were some people outraged that the Bengals wore all white uniforms and that that gave them an advantage because it was snowing.
1: Oh my gosh. Come on people. As Enough I've with learned, the conspiracy theories.
0: As I've learned over the last couple of weeks with the Raiders divorce from Derek Carr, people get upset <sighs> about everything and it's their right. They can do it. I'm not telling them not to, it's just blows my mind sometimes, but, um, Fans are passionate. That's why they're called fans, and we'll see how it all rolls out. But it'll it'll be fun, and I think there's a lot of lessons to look at some of these teams and how they were built, um, including the Eagles, to your point. Eagles, Bengals, I think are close, more closely aligned for what the Raiders can do uh, to turn this around pretty quickly, Mo.
1: I want to leave one positive nugget for Raider fans and because I, I had a column out today, and I basically took uh, the probability of, of every bottom team in the division to make the playoffs in 2023. And through my research, I realized that there were four teams that finished last in the division last in 2021 and made the playoffs. Wow. I don't know I'm forgetting one, but I know the Giants, the Jaguars, the Ravens, and the Seattle Seahawks.
0: Seahawks. Those yeah.
1: four teams finished fourth place in the division in 2021 and made the playoffs in 2022. So there's parity in the league. You can, you can be a, a bum team and you can switch it around with a good one. It only takes one good off season. Yeah. If you, if you're a Raider fan, you remember Reggie McKenzie. He had that, I believe the 2014 draft, the Khalil Mack, Derek Carr draft. I believe um, Gabe Jackson was also in that class. Jelly Ellis was in that class. Mm-hmm. He had a monster draft class and it changed the Raiders for the better. Now, they didn't make the playoffs in 2015, but you can see they were stacking. And it it culminated in a 2016 playoff run. Unfortunately, Derek Carr got hurt at the end of the the season. But all it takes is one big offseason, whether it's through the draft, free agency, or a combination of both. We saw the Jacksonville Jaguars do this. I remember people laughed at the Jacksonville Jaguars when they spent money on Christian Kirk, on Evan Ingram, on a defensive tackle that played for the Jets. Like, what are the Jaguars doing spending all this money? They're not going to do anything with it. I know they got Trevor Lawrence, but guess what? Trevor Lawrence had some help because during that Jaguars stretch where they were winning a bunch of games, I said this on the show. I said this on he multiple did. shows. Trevor Lawrence didn't play his best. He had a great supporting cast. He had a running back running for over 100 yards. He had a defense, especially the secondary was playing well at that point. He had – Pat Arden Key was making plays. So they, they were able to, to – turn things around. with, and I get it. They had Trevor Lawrence. They had Trayvon Walker who's the number one overall pick. So they had some number one overall picks from having the worst record. But other than that, they spent the money and they were able to turn things around. Trevor Lawrence didn't become all of a sudden good overnight. Yes, Super Bowl winning head coach, but Mm -hmm. Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, who Raider fans are familiar with, those guys helped him develop, became his top three pass catchers.
0: Well, and you look—you look up at, at Seattle too, Mom. I'm, I'm glad you brought them up. They go from 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 worst to playoff team in one year after trading away their franchise quarterback. Sound familiar? Yeah. Uh, in this yeah. case, releasing or trading, depending what happens with Derek Carr uh, and Geno Smith, the journeyman, the disappointing journeyman, been all over the place. L.A., New York, everywhere uh, was was really high, really guarded out of college. Never kind of made it. He gets there, but what else did they do? They got, to me, which should be one of the rookies of the year, which is their running back. They were able to establish the run and change, which if you know anything about Seattle, even when they were better with Russell Wilson, they always had trouble with the running game since Marshawn Lynch has been gone. That's why they brought him back. Okay, So they get in a running game, and Pete Carroll establishes their identity as, hey, we're going to run the ball, and then we're going to let Geno dish it. We got good wide receivers, and look what happened. And so, so that's where I that's where I think too, even Raider fans, if the Raiders decide to go the route, and again, I'm concerned like you are with injury, but if it's a Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody like that, with all the other weapons, and they sign Josh Jacobs, this team can still do that on offense. They can take the model that you saw in Seattle, who had a great draft on defense, drafted a good running back, and really turned it around fast.
1: And the other thing they did, they drafted two tackles who started. Yes. Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas. So they they built it from the inside out, mm-hmm. and they and they made sure and they had a, a quarterback, at Geno Smith, who knew the system and they fit the system around him. Which goes back to my earlier point: fit the system around your quarterback, protect him, build mm-hmm. your team inside out. That's just my philosophy. And the, you got to strengthen the, the offensive line and defensive lines if you want to win football games.
0: And now they're in the position because they traded Russell Wilson when they did. They are. I mean, you talk about draft picks, right? It's incredible the draft capital. They're going to be able, they're going to go from a wow. fringe playoff team like they were this year to a team that's going to compete for that division with San Francisco because they're going to be able to add so many pieces both in the draft and free agency. That with so from they're going to go from where they were in two years to a team that could be competing for a conference championship. It's crazy, but that's what makes the NFL so great. That's why the salary cap as it is works really well because teams can turn it around quickly if they are smart with their money and with their draft capital and with how they structure contracts. So it's all good stuff. That's why that's our pep talk for Raider nation, right? Mo it's like, as we go (laughs) into the off season, watch some of these teams. Yeah. Watch some Uh, of these teams. The Raiders can be these teams very quickly. uh, Despite history. Again, Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels were not there 15 years ago. You can't blame all the dysfunction. You want to blame Mark Davis? Go ahead. But outside of that, you can't do that. They have more control than anybody's ever had in that building. I think, well, John Gruden might have had it, but he didn't use it well. So that's a whole different story. (laughs) All right. We're going to say goodbye for this show. We appreciate Mo playing Hurt, as always. Mo, I know you have some pieces. You talked about your column up today on SportsNOT. What else you got coming up?
1: Uh, I'm going to go over, I know I should have gone over this earlier, but I'm going to go over what Derek Carr's trade value is is uh, mm. before the trade actually happens, because it could happen any day now. A lot of people are, are, I think, misled on what Derek Carr is worth. I think people mm. are underestimating the quarterback market and that general managers and head coaches want to save their jobs.
0: Yes, and 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 it's not, I hate to use the word, and you and I have used it when talking about this, desperate, but it's close to desperate. It's close. It's close, yes, it right? And, and, Listen, and,
1: Scott, really quick. When you send a third-round pick <laughs> For Matt Ryan, <laughs> that's desperate. Thirty-six yeah. year old Matt Ryan, yeah, that's desperate. Thirty-six, that was the Colts
0: five years older than Derek Carr. Mm-hmm.
1: Third round, absolutely. Pick. Third Think round pick, that.
0: yes. And not only that, but uh, Lee Steinberg was on the show Friday. I did a show with Lee, uh, as you heard, and he talked about the market's going to be nuts. So, so if you're a team again. If I'm Derek Carr, number one, it benefits me. This is where I I actually tweeted something out and people just completely misconstrued it. But my point was that Derek Carr actually has a lot more leverage than you think. And it would be smart for him. And I'm not saying help the team. It would be smart for him to help himself by finding a trade partner to take on his existing contract. Cause he's guaranteed the money, at least for that first year that the $35 million and then 40 for a second. Um, and because if he hits the open market, you don't know what's going to happen, right? You're, it's a gamble. That's what Lee Steinberg said. Look, yeah, if you want to gamble and you think you're going to get forty million on the open market, you may, or you may not, depending what happens with the other quarterbacks. If Lamar Jackson's on the market, market may go up, but also the teams that are that need quarterbacks are going to go with different guys. But if you're a, if you're a team and you want a quarterback at a price that's better for you. Thirty-five million—that's a—that's a bargain for a starting quarterback. Whether you like Derek Carr or not, it's a bargain because if Lamar Jackson is going to get seventy or whatever it is, and these other players that hit the market like Garoppolo and others, like other guys drive the market up, then the quarterback's going to cost you more. So both sides kind of win. Forget whether the Raiders benefit or not. The fact is Derek Carr can benefit, and then the other team acquiring him—the desperate coach that's on the hot seat or GM that's on the hot seat—they know. That they're going to get their guy, they can get a, for for a hundred, excuse me, for seventy million dollars over two years. You got a quarterback, where else are you going to get a quarterback with his stature and stats for that price?
1: I just wanted to dispel two narratives that are out mm. there on the Twitterverse. People say, why would Derek Carr want to weaken the team that he goes to? by being traded for draft capital and I will say (laughs) what team do you know goes oh no we're giving up a second round pick oh no we're giving up a third round pick Derek you're not gonna the team that Derek Carr goes to is not gonna give up multiple first rounders and multiple starters for him it's gonna take a day two pick I'm gonna get into that in in my column in your column good but it's not like you're giving up a treasure chest of picks and players for him that his team is going to be so much weaker when he gets there. Right, That team is basically flipping a draft pick for a starting quarterback. That's a win. The other it's thing a- people ask, the, really quick, the other thing people ask is, well, why would a team want to trade for Derek Carr when it could just wait for him to be released? And I will say supply and demand. Yes, There are eight to ten teams that need a quarterback. There's only one Derek Carr. And then you got Tom Brady who's floating out there as a free agent and then goes it goes To me, it goes downhill from there. Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. If you acquire Derek Carr, you secure that quarterback. Right. You don't leave it up to chance. Now you're in a group of eight to ten teams that are vying for him on the free agent market. You get him for the Price. trade capital, and you don't have to give up. Again, you don't have to give up first-round picks. It's a second or third-round pick, maybe a second right. and a fifth, second and a sixth. Yeah. But you skip the line and get your quarterback.
0: Right. And, that, and that's the thing. I always use this analogy because fans, when it comes to a situation like this, I understand a, a, a part of Raider Nation is happy they're moving on from Derek Carr. They're ecstatic. And so they say, well, why would why would a team do that for Derek Carr? Because you don't value him. But as you read Mo's piece this week, you'll see why he's valued. But also, I use this analogy, Mo. I say, listen, I bought a Powerball ticket. It could be worth a billion dollars, okay? So I have this Powerball ticket. I'll give it to you for a billion dollars or you could just wait and see if it wins and pay me a certain amount or you can pay me the dollar I bought it for and maybe you win a billion dollars. Right? So the point is you don't know you're talking about potential. That ticket is not a winning ticket. It's a potentially winning ticket. A draft pick is a potentially good player in the second or third round. If you're the Raiders, probably not over the last five years, but nonetheless, (laughs) If you, if that's the point, you're betting on potential. Do you want to bet on a potential? You want to bet on a quarterback? I understand you don't like him. You think he's got a losing record, but overall he's got value. And so you're able to get him at a price that is from last year. And so there is incredible value. So read Mo's piece where he lays it out because I think people will have a better. So some people will not care. They'll just stick to the narrative. Other people will be educated by reading your piece. So we look forward to that. Mo, we hope you feel better, my friend.
1: Yeah, so by the way, if you see that my eyes are red, my lips are red, that's <laughs> I'm not doing any type of drug. That's cough drops and medication. I had to get medicated before I got on the show today to get through it, but hope to be back to 100% next week.
0: Get a shot of cortisone in the knee. No, I'm just kidding you. My dog is now jumping up on my, my stool here. Um, all right, buddy. Well, listen, get better, and we will talk to you soon. But that's that's the kind of guy Mo is. He's going to play Hurt, so we appreciate that. Uh, do us a favor. Again, if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, please do so wherever you get your audio. Also on YouTube hit the subscription and the notifications bell until next time Raider nation for our producer, David Stepanian and my partner, Mo Moten, I am Scott go and This has been silver and black today an Odyssey original podcast. Take care Raider nation.